Tina Spangler with TLC Barrows in Keystone Heights, Florida, and welcome to my weekly Q&A podcast. It is February 6th of 2024. I literally think it was just New Year's last week, but yes, it's already February 6th. This is Q&A number 182. I've been doing this for three and a half years now. And let me tell you, I, I always try to open with a story and... um. I just want to tell you, I wake every morning and I just give thanks to God. And um, I give thanks for many things, but TLC is always one of them. TLC has allowed me to do what I love for a living. God has blessed me that I could have this passion and gift to train horses and and barrel race and compete for the last 30 some years. And um, it's just been, uh, it's allowed me to keep my horses it's allowed me to pay my bills but it's allowed me to wake up every morning excited you know it's not even 6 a.m and I love it so much that I actually will be doing this podcast and then I've got like 10 videos to review and then tonight at six o'clock and mind you it's not even 6 a.m yet I'll be doing a two-hour group lesson with six riders so um it is a full-time thing for me I have to force myself a day off and um You know, people are like, I haven't seen you in forever. It's because I'm always working. (laughs) But my work, I love what I do. So I guess if you love what you do, it doesn't feel like work. Now, mind you, I'm exhausted after clinic mentally, physically, because I put a lot into it. And I do have a clinic this weekend. And But I I have fun at my clinics, too. I, I added two new clinics this year. I'm doing all day horsemanship clinics which that's what this Saturday is. It starts with groundwork and then it's horsemanship in the saddle for the rest of the day. I added pole bending clinics. That's been really fun. We start with dry work and drills in the morning and poles after lunch. And then of course, I've always done my barrel racing and horsemanship clinics forever. So um, 20 some years now. And you know, I, I, I look back on the last 30 plus years and I always see there's two really essential things that people need to have. And that is a really solid foundation. Foundation is key in everything. And going back to basics between runs is the most important thing you can do. And along with having that positive attitude of I can do this, I will do this. Those two things is how you get yourself through. You don't necessarily have to have the most expensive horse or the fanciest rig. You just need to work with what you have and try to be the best you can be and and your horse the best so some of you know this week's topic was going to be the horsemanship challenge but i'm pushing it off for one more week because i've always gone you know i always worried when i first started the group what will i talk about every week after a year it's been three and a half years and i have not run out of things to say and the reason why is because the the group is always changing there's always new members there's always new challenges So this week I decided based on the feedback that I've been getting from the members and the group um, for videos and such is um, I want to talk about how to shave time in the competition and I want to challenge everybody to do that. There are people in this group that have been a member for the last year that have shaved half a second to move from the 2D to the 1D. There are people in the group that weren't even 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 near getting a 4D or 5D check and are now consistently winning 3D and 4D checks. So you could shave two seconds, you could shave a half second. You know, just being a part of this group in the last year, I've seen it with with hun, you know, with 
we've had 300 people sign up. I've seen it with 100 members at least shave time off their pattern, consistently make improvements. So, and that's not my clinics or my lessons. That's just this coaching group. So there is no secret pill, just like for anything in life. It's hard work. It's, it's paying attention to the details. The whole last month of January, we talked about your rider cues, biomechanics, how your body and your horse body have to work together. And just think about common sense. You know, what does it mean when you're sitting forward? What does it mean when you're sitting down? What it what does it mean if you pull on your horse? What does it mean if you're riding soft and relaxed versus stiff and, and mechanical? It's just common sense. There's no, you know, there's people out there marketing things like crazy. There's there's some amazing people out there that have the best marketing teams, the best uh, photography and video teams and they buy tons of Facebook ads and they sell their stuff all over the place and they they package it all pretty and you've got to sign up and buy classes and groups and videos and and all of that and and sometimes I'm like you know I wish I could sign up I wish I could set up a website like that but it's like two thousand to set it up and then it's a hundred dollars a month to have someone maintain it and and it's just a lot of money and I would have to put all that money into more people signing up and higher rates and and I just I've always been a one woman shop and I've always done it this way so there is no you don't have to have all that fancy stuff I'm not saying a quality bit a quality saddle and quality foundation and quality everything matters quality care for your horse all of that matters but it doesn't have to be all the fancy marketing advertising like like a Clinton Anderson did you know he made millions because he marketed himself really well but but basically horsemanship is horsemanship whether you back it package it in a fancy marketing or just you know your your backyard person who knows what they're talking about and is really good at it you know it's just a matter of reaching hundreds of people versus thousands of people so go big or go home I guess so anyways Um, Like I said, I've always did my business this way and I've seen the success and um, and I like being more one-on-one with my people and knowing my people. So so anyways, that's what I wanted to say about that. And I do want to welcome a new member, Kara in Florida. Um, So welcome to the team. And um, I did do the uh, drawings. I think it was Friday. Um, But anyways, for January drawings, the personal best drawing was won by Emily and Cosmo. And um, the training challenge was won by Angela and Dial. So congratulations to them. They picked their prizes and I um, shipped them off to them. And let's see, the topic, like I said today, is gonna be shaving time and competition. And let's see, in, as far as um, challenges for this month, for skill, I've put videos in the group for the three circle drill, that's lateral bend, counter arcing, and vertical and you can see how hard Rocky made me work for the vertical he does vertical and straight lines much easier than in a circle circle takes all of the leg um, power I have <laughs> but lateral is pretty easy for him counter bending is pretty easy for him but vertical forward is hard because he's so lazy but um, to get him to ride up to the bridle and keep moving is not easy so but then the other one um, I wish Briscoe was legged up right now. I do it on Briscoe. But I do have a couple old videos that I posted in there on other horses that are a little more free that show it better. 
Um, so hopefully you guys get a good example of it. And then all lefts and all rights, um, three barrels. Those are both your video challenges this month. Um, all lefts, all rights. We're doing from the inside versus the outside because it's better for anticipation um, and riding your quarter turns. Um, now, if you're on a baby and you rather do from the outside to the inside, that's perfectly fine. It's a little bit easier. You only go one and a half time around the barrel from the outside where you go around it twice on the inside. Um, but that's a wonderful uh, uh, program to do or drill to do because it gets the horse and rider in sync riding your quarter turns. You could do five feet at a walk trot, maybe 10 feet loping, um, whatever you're comfortable doing. And um, it's a great drill to take anticipation out of the rider and the horse. For those of you that always want to rate and turn, give rate and turn cues at the same time, it's going to teach you to separate your rate and turn, which we're going to talk about that a lot today because the topic of shaving more time, it, that's an important part of it, um, shaving time off your pattern. But separating rate and turn is really important. Rate happens before the barrel. Shaping doesn't happen into your legs at the barrel. So the two cues are completely different, right? You sit down, your hands are even, you ask for that horse to shorten their stride. So transitions should be a part of every ride you do. Um, we'll talk more about that as well. And then, so those are your two choices. You can do both if you want, you can send in one if you want, but the three circle drill is dry work, no barrels. And then the all lefts, all rights is with three barrels. And if you prefer to do four barrels, you can do that too. Um, mindset is um, to send me how you get in the zone, your routine. You know, for some of you, it might be uh, taking a look at the arena when you enter and visualizing your run in there. And then um, maybe a prayer for God for safety for you and your horse and everyone else. And maybe some deep breaths in and out and clearing your mind. And then as you head down that alleyway, you're relaxed and you're just thinking about one or two things like riding to your spots and maybe one other important cue, but you really want to focus on being in the moment. You don't want to pre-think things too much because then it makes you ride mechanical and you get in your head too much. You have to learn to ride on autopilot and just trust your preparation, your teamwork, and be in the moment, ride to your spots. Those are usually the best ways, but, but I want you to write to me how you get in the zone. You might have something different you do, so send it to me and um, I'd love to see how you guys do it. Let's see what else. I also posted a video in the group of Rocky and I doing um, trotting barrels and loping. And I just talk about how I pattern and teach a horse for pattern with, you know, transitions of go cue, rate cue, and shape or turn cues, and um, one handed around the barrels, etc. So <clears throat> that's in there. Um, I've done quite a few videos yesterday. And like I said, I have quite a big list. Uh, again, a bunch came in yesterday. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. And some of you sent two. So I'll be doing as many as I can today. And what I don't get done today, I'll be doing tomorrow and um, go from there. So it's usually 24 to 48 hour turnaround on your videos. Definitely during the week, on the weekends. If I have a clinic, it might be one day longer. Just so any new members know that. <clears throat> I have a few questions to answer, so I'm gonna do that first <clears throat> after I get a drink of coffee here. The first question is, um, how do uh, I know if I should start my horse on the left barrel or the right barrel first? Okay, so there's three things I would consider. One, um, most horses are lefties, so most people go to the right barrel first and have two left turns. 
Um, but if you have a horse that just feels more confident in right circles or right maneuvers, then you would probably want two right turns instead of just one. So that horse, you would go to the left barrel first. Um, if you have a horse that's really hard to pick up one lead versus the other, and you wanna make sure your first barrel is your money barrel, you might want that to be your first barrel because you can do circles or whatever and get the lead before you cross the timer until that horse gets more advanced. Now, mind you, I would I would prefer to have all that worked out before competition in their foundation, foundation training and their pattern training. But like I said, a lot of people base it on that. Some people just need all their horses to go to the right barrel. Or some people like all their horses going to the left barrel. So sometimes people do it because it's more comfortable for them. So in my opinion, I think it's good in the beginning to try your horse both ways and see which way feels better. But then pick one and stick with it because horses like repetition and consistency. So, but it wouldn't hurt to sneak through at a trot a couple times, you know, and, and a lope a couple times when you're at that point and just say, huh, how does this feel? And of course, anytime you change direction on a horse, you need to give them at least five, um, five rides that way in training and then maybe three to five competitions to get comfortable with the new change. So um, sometimes people change because a horse gets a hot spot or gets in their head and gets too fractious. Um, I don't like seeing blown up barrel horses get swapped directions. I'd rather they never blew them up in the first place. So to me, it's all about repetition and consistency. And I do feel like you just have to see what, you know, Briscoe was odd that way. Like all my other horses, their left circles were always better. So they, I always gave them the right barrel first, but Briscoe, she would low beautiful right circles, but kind of anxious on left circles, but her left turns were her snappiest. So you just kind of have to, you know, treat each horse as an individual and, and, um, and just really kind of know your horses. Like she, you couldn't push her to her first barrel, the right barrel, but you could push her to her left turns um, her entire career. So again, you have to kind of just know your horse. <laughs> As she got more advanced from her novice, I mean, from her maturity and derby year, she started being able to go to the first barrel faster, but it wasn't like I could push her. I just had to have a, a light go cue and hope she fired. It wasn't something you could kick or smooch because then she'd get by. You had to kind of find that happy medium, you know, and I've had horses like Maggie that you could whip from the alleyway and they're not going to get by a barrel, you know, and then I've had other ones like Belle that you had to hold them and get closer to the timer and make sure you had your arc and, and then send them, you know, a little bit deeper into the arena. So again, every horse is unique and you just have to figure out what works best for them, their mental and their style. Um, so mental and physical. So let's see. Next question. Um, if I lose a shoe, is it okay to ride or compete? If the horse is not lame on it, absolutely fine. I would always suggest if you lose a shoe, you could slap a diaper on with some vet wrap and some duct tape or, or cotton and vet wrap and duct tape and give them a little padding in there. Um, and then just wait um, until the figure comes if they seem like they're lame. But by wrapping the foot in something, it keeps the walls from chipping off and all that so that they, the, wall, the, the farrier still has a good foot to work on until they can get there. Um, if you have those easy boots or cloud boots, you could always slap one of those on them. But I have competed in a horse that I get to a barrel race. They have a bench, bench shoe. I'll remove the shoe. That's why I always keep a rasp and a shoe puller or a nail puller in my trailer so I can pull a bent shoe. But if they lose a shoe completely, 
and you can't find a fairy to tack it on, you can, you know, duct tape and vet wrap a horse that's not lame and run them. Um, I've won money that way before. <laughs> so that's the downside of having to have shoes on horses. If you have a good footed horse, they don't need shoes. Um, that's awesome. But some places you go, there's just too rocky and the horses get too tender. But always remember, no hoof, no horse. Um, and back feet are just important as front feet. Make sure they've got a decent heel on them, that their angles are good. Um, any kind of balance issues like really long toes and underrun heels, anything like that can make a horse sore throughout their body and not be able to use their butt or get sore tendons and ligaments. So make sure you're using a really good vet and a really good farrier um, because a farrier can break you quicker than anything. So um, make sure you know you've got one who balances their feet good and you know keep them on a schedule. Barrel horses probably five to six weeks is the max you should go because you don't want those toes getting too long or that foot growing too forward. Um, you want to keep everything stood up nicely matching their posturns and shoulders. So um, keeping those angles as best you can. And some horses just have to have shoes because they don't have good angles. Their foot grows too forward and they just need help getting their their angles correct. So are they, you know, so, so I believe in shoes for protection or correction. Um, you know, if, if you have to do it, you have to do it. But but otherwise, if you don't, that's awesome because, you know, that's a good thing if they've got great feet. So let's see here. Next question was about hauling. Are there any must-haves I would have when I haul my horses? Um, do I use shavings in the trailer, etc.? Um, sometimes you can put down the pelleted bedding if your horses pee a lot in the trailer if you're going on long trips and then put a bag of shavings on over it. And of course, you'd probably want to put a fly mask on your horse so that no shavings blow in their eyes. You may even have to wet the shavings a little bit if it seems like they're going to blow around. Um, but sh but putting a fly mask on your horse for hauling is a good idea anyways because most of us have screens or the bars across the windows. And um, if you don't have a screen and you just have bars, the uh, rocks or bugs can fly in and hit your horse in the eye. So it's a good idea to have something to protect their eyes like a fly mask um, and also to you know protect against sand or shavings or anything else that might blow around. Um, hay, you know, hay, hay might blow around when you're going 60 miles an hour down the road. So a fly mask is always a good idea. Um, if you think you're going to be hauling to rodeos where you have to tie on cement and you can't tie them on grass, you know, you might want to haul some extra portable stall mats and um, throw those down for your horse. Um, you want, if you, you know, if you're taking your horse on them long rides, definitely might want to consider some um, back on track boots or, um, you know, for horses that maybe paw in the trailer, shipping boots, um, things like that, so they don't hurt themselves. I would always pack hay and water um, just in case, um, and also a first aid kit, just in case a spare tire, just in case something happens along the way and you're stuck somewhere longer than you anticipated. It's nice to be able to feed your horse and water your horse on the road. Um, God forbid you have an issue and you're stuck somewhere for a couple hours um, to be able to offer them some water and hay will keep them happy until you can get on your way again um, so those are all things to consider um, and also if you purchase like like I said the cloud boots or things like that easy ride boots that can all make um, traveling more comfortable for horses if you're going on longer trips to rodeos or to world or something where they have to be in the trailer and then stopping like every few hours and resting them like maybe when you go get 
fuel or use the restroom, let them just stand in the trailer for a few minutes. If you're on really long hauls, just find somewhere safe where you can get them out and walk them. Um, and then, you know, obviously, obviously somewhere safe. You don't want the traffic scaring them or anything like that. Um, let's see what else. Um, the next question was about mental game uh, for life. Uh, not Last week I talked about preparing for a competition. So then a, a member asked me about mental game for life after a big loss. So um, she didn't say what her big loss was. So, um, But I, I will answer it. This one's a little bit of a challenge, um, but it could be starting over after divorce. And um, a lot of people, divorce is like a death, you guys. I mean, if you haven't been divorced, um, it's like a death. But the bad thing is, like, when someone's spouse dies, it you know, they put them on a pedestal. Everybody feels bad for you. But when you say you got a divorce, it has like a more negative thing to it. But it still feels like a divorce only, I mean like a death, but only much more toxic because all of a sudden someone that you were in love with, that you loved and they loved you, now you don't even like each other in a lot of times. And a lot of times it can become toxic. So it can be very hard to recover from it. And other people have lost um, maybe of like losing a parent or losing a child, or maybe losing their heart horse and the goals that they had with their horse. Um, you know, my brother lost um, my niece to um, cancer at only 16 years old. Um, all of those things, you know, can fill you with grief. So everybody, there is no, there is no, there is no like, hey, uh, grief has to happen this way and only about this time frame. Everybody's going to have a different way of grieving. At first, maybe it's going to be shock, maybe denial, maybe sadness, maybe anger. Um, you know, everyone's going to be different and um, and it's going to take a different time. So you just have to let it process. And some people want to talk to people about it. Some people don't want to talk about it. And whatever works for you, um, you just have to... My suggestion is to find what makes your heart happy and um, and try to just enjoy every day and start planning for a future that you enjoy, you know, instead of keep re rehashing the past or getting stuck in the past. And in and, and a, and a grief situation where you lose someone to death, I mean, that's just going to take time. You may never, ever get over it, ever. But it may just get a little easier with time. So, but that person would want you to be happy and to go on. In most cases, um, you would, you want to, to do that. So, so for me, it, for me, how I went forward, and it wasn't easy. Out of the last eight years, probably three were easy and five were really hard. Um, since my divorce, I was with that same person 26 years, and and um, and eight years on my own now, and. And, um, you know, it's definitely been trial and error and hard times. And, but yet, you know, God is always there for you, no matter what, um, you know, you have to, you know, just move forward. So I won't spend a lot of time on that, but, but to me, I think you just have to pray about it and find, you know, let God guide you, you know, and the thing is, is when it gets to be too much, let go and let God focus on your blessings and just give thanks daily. And, um, you know, for me, it's having my farm and TLC and um, my horses and my puppy, my family, my parents, my son, all of those things. So, 
<laughs> so anyways, all right, next question. Oh, and by the way, just because I saw this page now, we have seven people on the personal best list for February already. So that's awesome. So, so the topic for today is how to shave time on the pattern. I'm going to give you my top 10 ways. Um, number one is better basics. Rider cues. Um, we talked about January, biomechanics, how your rider cues can affect your horse. So are there any holes in your horse's foundation? So you've got to spend time in the arena and, and just really get get in tune to your horse and your cues and what they mean to your horse. How are your hands communicating with your horse, your body, your legs, where you look? You know, are you able to do straight lines and, and perfect circles? Are you able to do transitions? Can you bend and flex? And how's your woe and your rollbacks? All those little details really, really matter. Um, maybe the second thing, number two, is better turns. You'd be surprised how much better your times will get on the clock just by having better turns. Knowing where your horse needs to rate, knowing how to keep your horse standing up and square front and back feet, knowing when your horse should shape which is at the barrel, not before, um, you know, and, and having that slow work done to where it becomes automatic and competition in the beginning, it's 80% you and 20% your horse. But as time goes by with enough slow work and repetition, it becomes 60, 40. And then some glorious day after you've been competing for a year or two, it becomes 50, 50. But it does take time. It's a seasoning process. You have a training, a time for training, a time for uh, exhibition and exposure. You have a time for starting to enter and education with speed. And then you finally have your finished product. And it, it's not a one-year project. It's a three- or four-year project. And that's why horses are so expensive. Because someone's put all that time into them. <clears throat> the third thing is more fire. Um, maybe you just aren't getting, you know, maybe your turns are great, but you need a little bit more drive from the alleyway to first, or maybe a little bit more drive out of your turns. So everything I say here, you need to say, oh, that's me or no, that part of me is good. So, you know, so number one, better basics for the rider or the horse. Number two, better turns. Is that where you can shave your time? Number three, can you shave more time with more fire? Maybe you're not trusting your horse to run as much as they could. Um, number four, are you consistent in your turns with speed? That's important, being consistent. You know, are you worried about hitting your knees on the barrels because you don't have that consistency? Are you blowing out of turns because you're not using your body correctly? <clears throat> or your horse doesn't understand the assignment? Um, things like that. Are you missing your arc or your spot one? Um, are you not, you know, going to first? That's really important. What about second? Are you able to ride straighter, longer, square into the hole? Um, you know, same with third. Are you relaxed and fluid in, in practice and also in competition? Um, number five, are you tuning up the way you should during the week? Are you doing the all lefts, all rights uh, for a single barrel or, or a single barrel on the pattern? Are you doing the drills for flexing and transitions? Um, all those things. Number six, what about the, the equipment you're using? Does your saddle help you sit down and get up? Does your saddle fit your horse where they feel good? Um, does your bit offer you the bend and flex that you need or the woe that you need? Um, 
you know, does, does, is it the right one for your horse? You know, in my career, my two favorite bits and, and it really honestly depends on your hands and what your horse likes. There is no magic bit. Um, there is, you know, it's gotta be what works for your style of riding and what's comfortable in your horse's mouth uh, or face. So my two favorite in my career was the beetle hack and the three piece, um, dog bone futurity bit by professional choice. Those two won me more money than anything else in my career. So again, they're very light, um, but that's how I train to mainly work off body. And, and those are my two favorite ones. Every trainer is going to have a bit that's their favorite because that's what they were successful on. And it's usually based on a horse that they won a lot on. Um, a lot of people only like certain styles of horses because it's what they won on. So those are all things you need to consider. Let's see, number seven, um, getting your videos reviewed by me. Those are really good things. Um, by knowing what, you know, because sometimes you'll send me a video and you'll say, this is what I think happened, and then I'll watch it and I'll see something completely different. And then sometimes I agree with you and say, yep, that's exactly what I saw too. So, but sometimes it's, it is way different. You think it was, you know, you had a crappy second barrel, but it actually started because of your first barrel. And, um, or, you know, you think it's because your horse misstepped when it was actually your hand cues that caused it. So there can be reasons you should definitely be getting your videos reviewed by a second set of eyes. Um, let's see here. What else? Uh, separating rate and turn is a big one that I see. And that kind of goes with number seven. Um, you've got to know that rate happens before the barrel. Some horses closer to the barrel, some further back. Um, and you've got to know that they've got to have a certain shape or feel around the barrel that makes them snappy where they're reaching with their shoulders and they're driving with their hip. And that only happens by a horse that's keeping their front and back feet on the same tracks that knows how to soften that shoulder and rib cage. And I'm not saying lift it, lift the shoulder, pick it up. It's not really like you're picking up the shoulder or really moving it to the outside. You don't want to float the shoulder, but you want that softness. So you teach your horse that anytime they feel your leg hug, they soften that shoulder and rib cage. It's not a big lateral movement, but in the beginning, you might have to train it that way. You may have to over-exaggerate because some horses are like riding a dang piece of wood, but yet you don't want the extreme difference like a piece of Gumby either, you know, or Gumby and just be like over-bending the head and neck and swinging the butt or floating the shoulder. It's important that the front and back feet are on the same tracks. There's a softness to that rib and shoulder so that that hip and pivot foot are under and they can maintain a four wheel drive. And you really only need to see a slight eye or nose to the inside, just enough to let you guide them, you know, but not have their head up in the sky because that's gonna hollow the back and swing the butt, not have um, the face to the outside because that's gonna drop the shoulder inside. Um, not go into the turns where your rate happens so far before the barrel or with so much pocket that they drop their shoulder and swing their butt. And that happens if you have too big a pocket. That happens if you rate and turn at the same spot, which is too soon. Um, you know, you don't want your horse starting the turn to your leg gets the barrel. Um, very few horses are efficient at turning when their shoulder gets the barrel. Um, 
there are those freak of natures that are, but they almost look like they're swinging their butt around the barrel. And that's generally not going to be fast for most horses. Um, but like I said, every horse is unique, but majority horses will fall into the previous category. Um, number eight could be your leads are hurting you. Maybe they're not taking their correct lead from the alleyway. Maybe they're not swapping um, for a second barrel until they get there. So they're dumping on their front end. Maybe they're swapping their, their lead to second and third all the time. And it's costing you extra steps around the barrel. You know, if it's a quick lead change, like a racehorse on a track where you barely notice it and it doesn't move their position. But some people overdo things like you over finish a barrel and then you move them way over and um, they swap leads a couple times. So that's where doing like inline barrels can teach a horse to hold the lead and teach the rider to be more subtle with their cues while they're doing straight lines, leaving their turns. So that's an important thing to work on as well. So I would definitely work on that. Make sure the horse is also using their hind quarters, not dropping in on their front end. Um, you know, and, and um, so inline barrels can really help with holding a lead. Um, or the all lefts, all rights will help you with that as well this month. Um, number nine, rider cues. Uh, well, even going back to number eight, the lead change um, for first to second. <clears throat> you can teach that by every time you go around first, ask for the lead change. Coming out of first, that very first stride, move over, get the lead. So maybe trot to the barrel and lope out on your correct lead right there and have them already. And just start getting a cue that's solid every single time. And then if they didn't get it in competition, ask for it again about two or three strides from the barrel and hope that they grab it before they get to the barrel. Because if they get there and they drop on that lead, sometimes it feels terrible because they're 60% on their front end and only 40% on their hind end. So that, that can really hurt you on the clock. Um, the ninth thing we talked about uh, a little bit was rider cues. But by this point, you guys, if you're competing and you're wanting to shave off a half a second, it's got to be automatic. It has to be autopilot. And how do you get there? You get there by doing the drills, the single barrel on the pattern, the barrel slow, the D pattern, the uh, big and small circles, the all lefts, all rights, the figure eights, the, I said the D pattern, um, single barrel, all those things are very important to develop autopilot autopilot without just like barrel 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 having some drills that you do can develop your autopilot as well um and then finally the 10th thing which is your mental game not just for you but for your horse for your horse you want to have a schedule for your horse every week that allows them to have balance it should include a day off it should include a trail ride or maybe some groundwork it should include um a tune-up like drills or dry work that you do to go back to basics during the week. It should include competition, um, knowing if your horse does better competing once a week or twice a month, um, knowing your horse, knowing if they feel good. Um, some can handle going more, some need to go less, just depends on their mindset. Um, knowing when you should make a run where you maybe just do three quarters to get their brains brain better, maybe at a, a smaller jackpot and then knowing when you can add a little more pressure to them. Um, but again, it's all about knowing your horse. For you, um, your mental game, you really need to start writing it down. You need to have a plan. I tell you guys all the time, performance track or barrel racer log, write it down. You By writing it down, you retain it, but you also, people notoriously forget things. You know, we forget, you know, things quickly, like, 
if you ask somebody uh, who won such and such last year, they'd be like, I don't remember. So people just forget things. And um, so, so that's why writing it down, you can go back and look. Hey, six months ago when I was at this arena, this happened. So I need to do this this time or be prepared for this. Um, you don't want to overthink it. You know, you don't want to overthink your run because then you, you get mechanical, you get behind. But you do need to know how to, you know, get yourself in the zone through trusting your preparation, trusting your teamwork with your horse, knowing how to get centered and relaxed, maybe through breathing, maybe through visualizing the pattern that you plan to run, um, especially through a positive attitude, knowing that you can and you will do well, believing in yourself. Um, those have been the, the slogan for the, the, the group this year is being positive. And last year was believing in yourself. Those are all very important things. Um, and that all is going to flow into your horse. What you present is what your horse feels. So if you present a calm, confident, having a good time, enjoying being there, thankful that you're there, um, your horse is going to feel the same way. If you go catch your horse, load him in the trailer, and you're really tense and getting on the way, your horse is going to be that way. But if you go get your horse, pet him, brush them, be like, oh, we're going to have a fun day together, load them, come on, we're going to go have some fun, and just keep your attitude that, hey, this is going to be fun, we're going to go, you know, do what we've been doing at home somewhere else now, and, you know, and just keep that attitude, it helps you and your horse have the same vibe, you know, and horses need that from us, if they feel that we're rushed or tense, they don't like it, they'd rather stay home, you know, um, the more you can keep it uh, fun and relaxed and you know it's okay to get a little nervous um but my my friend um she has a big reining competition in in two weeks two and a half weeks and she's already nervous and her horse is acting out at home and that's because she's putting so much pressure on herself that they're both feeling the tension at home in the backyard so you can't do that you have to make this fun if you want your horse to be your teammate, make it fun for them. Let them know that this is calm and it's confident and it's fun. It is not a nervous mess, I'm gonna puke, you know, kind of thing. So so remember what you're doing and what you're saying to your horse. So those are my top 10 ways to shave time. And many of you could post a video in the group and tell people how much time you've shaved or how you've become consistent or how you've learned that riding to your spots and and what your cues mean and, and how that's helped with your consistency and your game plan. So and that's what I want. I want to help each and every one of you become a better team. So I'm gonna go ahead and close there because I've been talking uh, almost 40 minutes, but um, I want each of you to have a plan. Have a plan for you and your horse that's custom and that works for you. That might include trail riding, groundwork, like I said, slow work and barrels. Um, but each of you should have a goal each ride or each week. And um, the other thing I want you to do in competition is I want you to find one good thing about every single run and then one thing that you need to improve on. Um, try to keep it that way. You know, even if the run wasn't everything you wanted, reach down and pet your horse and then give yourself time to say, hey, you know, um, 
I, I really didn't like my third barrel, but my first and second was awesome. You know, and, and then watch your videos and your pictures and, and send me your uh, video to review all of that. But have fun and enjoy it. Um, because to be honest with you, today, one day you're going to look back and these are going to be the good old days. Um, and I can, I can tell you those things don't last. I've got three retired barrel horses in my backyard right now. And you have to savor every run with them because you don't know when the last one will be. So enjoy every ride. Um, I'm enjoying being back on Rocky and finally finishing his training and competition, getting him ready for competition. Um, whether he ever does anything, you know, he's a little guy that, you know, he's kind of like the underdog with his start in life but hey we're gonna have some fun and just see where it takes us so and again you know just enjoying being back in the saddle pain-free is a, is my joy every day and I thank God for that every day and my dad and son for helping that happen so but anyhow I'm gonna close there and just tell you all have an awesome week and um, God bless you all and ride with heart